Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. My name's Dilta Daherty, and in this podcast series, I will be speaking to investors, advisors, entrepreneurs, and recruiters who are based all over the world, and we'll be discussing how to set up, scale, and operate a world-class recruitment company. Today, I'm going to bring you to Singapore, and we're speaking to Craig Johnson. He's a director of technology at Ethos Beath Chapman, who have been recently acquired by a larger group. So we had a bit of a chat about that, about his journey, um, his beginnings at S3, and what led him and his wife to making the move to Singapore, back to the UK, and then back to Singapore again. And we got a bit of a better understanding of what life is like out there. Um, Craig spent most of his career in oil and gas recruitment and rode that wave for a few years before the crash, like uh, like I did myself. So we had a bit of common ground talking about about the good times and that and uh, and the shock of that crash. Same very much as yesterday's guest, and uh, but now he's loving life out in Singapore and loving life as a tech recruiter out there. Interesting learning about how diverse the market is out there and how a one-size-fits-all approach doesn't really work in Singapore. Over to Craig. Craig Johnson, how are you today? I'm very good. Very good. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. It's a nice day for a change. Where am I calling to in the world? You're calling to Singapore. I would say sunny Singapore, but it's not so sunny today, to be honest. Oh, I bet it's nicer than here. <laughs> so, Craig, you're on your holidays recently, right? Where'd you go? I was. Um, we just had a few days in, in Langkawi. Um, which is a Malaysian island, about about an hour and fifteen minute flight from Singapore, so it's um, not too far away. Does your dollars go a bit further there? Um, it didn't where we stayed. Right. <laughs> your <laughs> wife would get on with mine then. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. If I had my way, I'd be um, I'd be in a beach hut somewhere um, drinking the local beer. But uh, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't that cheap. But <laughs> wouldn't we all right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, it was it's yeah, it's marginally better than Singapore, but it's um, you know it's just a nice little breakaway and not you know not too far away. Was it just a few days, or did you go for an extended one? No, it was just um, Wednesday till Sunday, just to sort of get over the uh, you know the Christmas period, really, because you know when you live abroad, traveling home for Christmas is not really a holiday. Um, but you know you need one to get over it yeah any kids to bring home yeah one a little boy um two two years old just just turned two at christmas all right so so at least you have some babysitters at home hey yeah that's uh that's the advantage definitely so uh thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast we've been in touch for a while and i suppose i just wanted to get an insight onto your life in singapore um, and what what led you there? 
You're from the northeast, is that right? Yep, yeah, I'm originally from North Yorkshire, uh, not too far from Middlesbrough. Um, so unfortunately, I'm a Middlesbrough fan. So that wasn't that wasn't a choice I had. <laughs> and um, you got a bit of a baptism of fire in recruitment, didn't you? You started. Yeah. You started at an interesting time. Yeah, well, I I, I started with S3 um, back in 2011, and it was right in the midst of the the oil and gas boom. Um, so I, I yeah, I, I went straight in as a as a 360 uh, consultant from from day one. You know, back back then in S3, there was no such thing as a yeah. As a as a researcher model or a one eighty, um, mm. you know, it was it's kind of straight in at the deep end. Uh, I, I started in the same year actually with Robert Walters, very right. similar, like taking advantage of that oil and gas boom. But I was in yeah. it was in Australia. Were you were you local? Were you in Middlesbrough at the time? No, no, I was in Manchester. Oh right, uh, yeah, I was based in Manchester, uh, but operating. Um, Mainly the Aberdeen market. We did we did a little bit in London, but it was mainly it was mainly Aberdeen and you know the North Sea stuff. Yeah, it was money for fun there. It was um, what uh, what were you recruiting for? Was it geologists or engineers or? I started in in, in drilling engineering, like drilling and um, uh, like well services stuff, um, and then uh, yeah, did that for a couple of years in Aberdeen. I I, I did recruit. Geologists, geophysicists, petrophysicists, all that, all that sort of stuff. But that was in Norway, a little bit later on. Um, so yeah, it was. But all, all upstream exploration type, oil and gas, you know, all the, uh, all the good stuff. So you stayed in S three for nearly five years. What kept you there? It's a long time in a big agency. Yeah. Um, well, it was it was constant progression. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough. I, you know, I did did fairly well um, from, from the off, really. Um, Got to do good discipline. Yeah, I mean, S three. I, you know, it's it, it's great. It's a great basis for anybody who wants to get in to recruitment. I mean, the training's unbelievable. You just got to look at how many sort of hundred million pound plus businesses have spawned out of people who you know gone through that S three, you know, training scheme. So, yeah. Um, like I said, it was constant promotions, constant progression, challenges. Um, and when you're there, you know, they, they, S3 are great at, at, at the culture side. And, and um, you know, you you kind of have this uh, this belief that um, there's nothing outside of, it, of S3, you know, and, and that's what great companies do. So um, that's what kept me there, I think, as long as... Uh, as long as I did, I, to be honest, you know, you never know. I may still have been there if 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 the oil price didn't go the way it did. Yeah, uh, so. I, I remember being at Robert Walters for a few years, and and I used to think that other people at a, other agencies were were sick. There were there was something wrong with them. <laughs> yeah. You know, like like if you had said that you were working for S three, I would have thought you were working in a supermarket. I, that that. And that's the cultural brainwashing that goes on in large firms, and they're really good at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you, so you had, a, how did you find the intensity of working in a large agency for so long? Were, were you able to kind of maintain that the whole way through, or 
was there points when you were like, you know what, this, is there more to life than this? Um, towards the end, I think, yes. Um, uh, but, you know, I, like I said, I, I, you know, I rode that oil and gas wave for, you know, literally from the minute I joined until uh, about year four. Mm. Um, you know when the when the crash happened, um, so it was it was all good until then, and uh, you know then there's there was uh, you know once the crash had hit and you know there was nothing really happening. There was there was still a period where you know your the loyalty's still there. You know you you want to you want to dig deep. You want to hang around. You want to make it work. That's tough, uh, eh? It's tough, yeah. And then then it gets to the point where you just think you know a change is. Uh, changes due yeah look i had our, our our guest yesterday was in oil and gas and i was discussing with him what what that crash was like it's very hard to describe to to somebody i know we all had the recession in 2008 but that that oil and gas crash if you're center to it everything just stopped like instantly and i i remember being in a room in in calgary going this is this was a bad mistake. <laughs> yeah, it was... yeah. It, it, it's funny because it, you know, it's a very candidate-driven market. So, you know, you're as much as you get the full spectrum of training around, you know, going out, developing business, winning business, and it, you know, it was by no means easy to win business in oil and gas. But, um, you know, in many ways, if I look back, you know, the door openers were your were your product mm. a lot of the time um, and you know candidate was king uh, you know if you got a if you got a great CV and, and, and nobody else had it you know you could you could open BP you know it was, yeah. it was that sort of time but then when the crash came um, it, it wasn't about that it became job driven overnight um, so you know you, you, you're going from you know you, you, you're getting these candidates that you know, you couldn't get hold of at all. Um, and, and all of a sudden you've got 15 of them emailing you, calling you saying, can you help me out? And, um, and you're like, no, that's tough. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, it flipped it all, you know, completely on its head and it became all about, you know, trying to, trying to win business and, um, uh, you know, and just, and if you do get a shot of a, a job, you know, get there and get it covered. But it, even, then there was hardly anything about it. You know, everyone was laying off. It was. It almost got to the point where, you know, we're we're speaking to our clients, and it it got a bit embarrassing to to say, look, you know, is, is there any hiring plans? Because it, it was like, well, are you not reading the news? You know, <laughs> are you serious? You know, it was. Uh, yeah, it, was... It, it got it got really bad. And it's funny, you know, some can some markets are candidate driven, and it's a it's a term that's thrown out there a bit, but. Oil and gas is, is specifically really clan, or candidate driven because the candidates are very mobile. So the recruiters tend to work at big geographical location. So they're, it, it's even more so than any other industry. So I can imagine when that tap turned off, it must have been it must have been tough. So you you're, you're nearly five years in at this stage, and you join looks to me like a, a boutique. What was that? Was that was that tough moving from one of the largest firms in the world and being a rising star to having hit a recession and starting again? Um, yeah, it was 
to be fair. I mean, I was I was only there for a, a short period of time um, with, with Kerry. Um, and to, the, the reason I left is I actually went back home to to the UK um, for, for nearly a year, which ended up being a bit a bit of a mistake. Um, were, you, for, were you working in Norway? Um, no, the Norway move was still with S3. That was before I came to Singapore with S3. Okay, sorry. You went to Singapore with S3. I didn't, yeah. didn't realise that. Well, yes. yes. Let, so, let's jump into yeah. that. What, what, how, did that, how did that move come about? What was, what was your mandate there? Yeah, so, um, so S3 were very good at like, global mobility. And um, you know, once you sort of hit senior consultant level and you know, if, you were a, if you were a decent biller, um, you could you could put your hand up and you could you know you could apply to pretty much anywhere in in the world really you know if, as long as there was a a need there then you know they they would they would help facilitate it um so my wife had just finished her pgc at the time and um you know I, we started thinking about you know making a move and um we i actually interviewed with real staffing um in san francisco which is another brand within S3 and I was going to I was going to move um in into uh into technology in in, in San Francisco like away from the oil and gas thing um that would have been, I, that would have been an interesting move hey eh? yeah well, when I look back now I think that that might have been the move I should have made but, yeah. um and and it was kind of going well and and it was it wasn't exactly signed sealed delivered but it was it was getting that way um and then um I got a call from Mike Walker, who was the, the global head of progressive global energy at the time, which was the big oil brand under S3, who, who I was working for in, in the UK. And he said, um, do you fancy Donna Lau's desk? Um, and you, are you familiar? You, you probably know Donna Lau. She's, she's doing um, direct X stuff now. Um, but she's, you know, she's a bit of a legend in S3 and she was doing... Um, He's doing a couple of million sing a year here um, on on drilling, uh, which and I was doing drilling in in, in Europe. Um, so and he said, look, Donna's looking to come back home. We could do a bit of a swap here. Um, so and and also there was a sort of fast track opportunity to, you know, to uh, to move into to management role within within the perm team. And at the time, the perm t- the the oil perm team for Southeast Asia was was twenty eight people. Um, so it was a it was a massive opportunity. Um, it was a number one um, perm team in the whole of S three globally. Um, you know they were killing it. So it was a bit of a no brainer, really. Um, so we you know we, we we sort of switched focus from San Francisco, and you know me and the missus ended up out here in Singapore. And within a month of being here, the oil price crashed. Oh man! <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was two thousand fifteen. Um, that would have been. February was it? No, it was it was very late two thousand. No, in fact, it was two thousand and uh, what was it? Two thousand fourteen, late two thousand fourteen. Yeah, yeah, it's, I remember. Oh man, and um, so 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 you've moved your whole life there. The oil and gas price crashes. Yeah, are you thinking this whole move was a mistake? What 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 what's your thought process then? Like, has your wife got a job? What 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 was what was that whole thing like? 
Yeah, well, to be honest, I I, I stayed at S3 until um, uh, I think it was March 2016. So, you know, I was I was there for a good 18 months um, as the you know the the price came down. Um, you know, sort of fought through it, but obviously it wasn't a very good year. Um, you know, the billing wasn't there. Um, it was just all about trying new things, trying to keep our head above water, um, looking at sectors which were, you know, similar to oil, where, you know, the, the our brand would make sense, but it was perhaps still busy. So we looked at downstream oil, we looked at shipping, we looked at chemicals, you know, we looked at diversifying in whatever way we could, but, yeah. it, you know, it just wasn't working um, for whatever reason. So, and I think, you know, when you're not doing well, you, you know, you tend to look at the negative um, the negatives more than the positives, you know, uh, eventually, you know, you, you remain positive for as long as possible, but, you know, you can't do it forever. So, and then I started thinking about, you know, the type of environment I want to be in, um, you know, and I thought, you know, maybe it's time to get into a little bit more of a, maybe more of a mature boutique search type of um, environment, which, you know, sort of led me to, to start looking out. And that's when I moved to Kerry. And was that back in the UK? Did you move back home? No, so Kerry was here. Okay, all right. Um, so yeah, so I moved to to, to Kerry Consultant, which is like a local uh, boutique search firm, um, and was there for a few months. But then, you know, my wife fell pregnant. Well, my wife was pregnant when I joined there, and she had um, she had a bit of a rough pregnancy. So we ended up moving home. Yeah. Um, I know how that goes as well. Yeah, well, I think you did a similar thing, right? You, yeah. You, yeah. yeah, we were, I had a whole thing planned out. We were on the road and we were, we were going to travel through Europe. And, uh, and then all of a sudden Charlotte was like, I want to have a baby. It'll be okay though. It, it won't affect things. I'll have it in Portugal or four months later, I was, I was living in Arundel in West Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a similar for us. I mean, your perspective changes. It does. Start, it think, does. You know what, we've had our couple of years out here and, uh, and you, you know, we, we thought, you know, let's go home. Um, it'll be great. Grandparents are there, families there, um, aunties and uncles and all that. And uh, you think now is the time to go back. So, you know, I, I made the sort of early move away from 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 Kerry. Um, you know, based on uh, you know, you know, wanting to get back home to start the family. But you know, we were. It wasn't very long of being at home. Um, when we, you know, we started to think about the move back and, uh, you know, I'd, yeah. Yeah, that's so, fascinating. So, so you go home, you have a kid, and man, I know how tough that is. Like, your world completely changes and you yeah. get addicted to having a bit of support from the grandparents. Like, my, my mother-in-law's in the house all the time. My mum helps out the odd weekend as well. And, you know, it's, you get kind of cosy. Um, that must have been a big decision between you and the wife to move, transplant yourself back to Singapore again, especially with a young kid. Well, walk us, walk us through what what those conversations were like. Yeah, it was, it was tough. I mean, it, it, you know, the move back was was um, uh, you know on the family was was tougher than it was when when we just went because there was you know it was my the first grandkid was, was, was in there, you know, um, mm. on, on my side of the family, you know, but it was my mom's first, first grandkid. Um, so she was distraught. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we just literally ruined her life. But um, it's, 
the decision to come back actually wasn't that hard, to be honest. Other than that piece, you know, I don't want to sound cold, but, um, you know, other than leaving the family, it wasn't that hard. And, you know, we, we went back. I, I got a job for a company called Nigel Wright. Mm. An absolutely cracking business. Like, they really are a phenomenal company. Um, and I was, I was based in Newcastle for them. Um, but I had like an hour and 20 minute drive there and back a day. So I was in the car for two and a half hours every day. And um, it, it just, you know, and I was really enjoying the job. Um, you know, we, we were living in a nice place, but then you start to realize how good you had it. Um, mm. You know, not just um, because of the weather and, and, and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, recruiting here, um, is is great um you know compared to you know going back and doing everything phone based from a distance um because you know you're operating a national market from the northeast so you know anywhere's a two or three hour drive um uh, and it yeah it just it got it got us thinking that you know we've maybe uh you know we've thrown the towel in a little bit early on 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 the overseas stuff and um you know, we could go back out, we could have a few more years, we could, you know, we could make a, uh, you know, establish ourselves financially a bit better and, yes. and, you know, before going back to the, you know, the small village in North Yorkshire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, there's plenty of time to do that. Um, so, so yeah, we, we came back. Um, you transitioned to technology at this stage. Mm. It was, was that through Nigel Wright, was it? No, so, in, so Nigel Wright, I did, uh, I did, FMCG, right? Yeah, uh, which was so I was I was placing national account managers into um, uh, like food and beverage companies or, um, or, or or consumer products businesses, you know that 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 type of thing, which was good. You know, it was very enjoyable. It was, um, you know, the type of people that you're dealing with were very similar to. To, to recruiters in a way, you know, it's, it's, it's a sales type of role. It's account driven, you know, you, you're sort of dealing with a lot of like-minded people. Mm. Um, but again, you know, the types of fees that you're, that, that you're getting, you know, just, it just didn't even come close to what you were, you were doing here. So yeah. What, um, what would the average fee be doing like that in the UK? I'm guessing it's about seven, 8,000. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, you, yeah, seven, eight, nine k. Um, you know, if you're, you know, if you if you're getting in any, anything above twelve, it, it's it's seen as a, a bigger deal. You know, um, whereas here, that's you know, so that's a small fee. You know, so yeah, is your is your from fifteen to twenty over here? Yeah. Um, Probably a bit more, to be fair. In in British pounds, wow. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, touch more. Yeah, I I remember like I being an expat has a certain great buzz about it as well. What what's it like in in Singapore from a social perspective? Is there is there still lots of UK recruiters out there, or would you walk down the street and kind of go, oh yeah, I know, I I know him and all the rest or or is it a is it a bigger city than that no it's tiny it's 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 weird i bump into people all the time 
Um, and so I'm living in like a small town back in the northeast. It, it's it's a strange place, um, but the you know the expat community is is, is brilliant. You know, you just before you know it, you know tons and tons and tons of people. Yeah. Um, you know through through business, but outside of business, you know if you make a move abroad and you, you probably experience this as soon as people know that you're moving somewhere they start introducing you to people that they know there so it's like oh my uncle lives there you should you know you should hook up with him or my no but one of my colleagues moved there and you know you end up knowing people here before you even land and yeah. then you just get plugged into different groups of people all the time um so yeah it's a really uh it's a really small place and 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 from a sort of you know competitive perspective um, you end up becoming, you know, quite friendly in in many respects with people that you compete with in the market. Um, and even if you're not friend too friendly with them, you know exactly who they are. Whereas, you know, when I was in Manchester for for, for S3, you know, you had no interest in who the the competition was. You didn't know who they were, where their office was, where they drank. You know, it wasn't that. It just wasn't like that. But when you come here, it's funny. Like you end up knowing everybody in your market yeah i was on a football team um two two different one one was an indoor team and uh it was full of robert half and a few other the the other consultancies and uh the same with uh the, the same with my outdoor football team and it was uh it was just that mix because if you're in any of the big agencies generally people will move on and then they'll be mates with somebody else and before you know it it's like like a scene from Anchorman on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah, that's literally the analogy I use. Yeah. It's like teams of recruiters everywhere. It's like that. Yeah, it's that scene in Anchorman where all the news crews have the big, the big fight. Yeah, that's, that's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and when you're getting settled there, and um, this time you have a kid, so it's different. You're not, uh, you're not, you're not Craig the lad that can just go out for a beer whenever. Like things are a wee bit different this time. It, it, are you finding it actually easier in terms of there's pro- you're probably a bit more committed to the location and you're 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 associating almost with more more families rather than you know people who are just fresh off the boat. Yeah, I mean, I suppose a big thing is, um, uh, and and this is one of the reasons why we we actually moved home in the first place, uh, ironically. But you know, one of the uh, the, the big changes that, that happens in your life when you when you live out this way with with a kid is that you you know you have domestic help, you know so you 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 know you have a you have a maid living with you who helps with, um you know taking care of of, of the kids and 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 looking after the house because you don't have that family support what you do um, at home, mm. um, so it's your it's, it's your only option unless you know you, you you're going to pay you know, crazy um, sort of daycare fees, which, you know, make the, the UK fees look uh, look considerably cheap, you know. So that's a big change um, mm. coming back here with the family. And that's something that we were, you know, we were quite hesitant about, to be honest with you, because it's, you know, being brought up in Europe, unless you're, you know, very, very wealthy, having uh, having people, you know, having staff type of thing in, in your house is, is alien. Um, hey, hey, what does your mum think about that? She, she's fine with it, to be honest. I mean, uh, 
Yeah, I think I think she's seen the uh, you know the relationship that, that Jessica has with our little boy and and, and how it works and um, and I think she's she's good with it. Um, but I think it's funny you mentioned her because I think at first there was you know the, I think there's a degree that um, you know that the, there's going to be a relationship there which is stronger than the one that she's going to have with with our little boy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, from from a business perspective, you you came back in you're doing technology and you decided to go for a boutique this time. What was your, what was your, what was your thought process after being indoctrinated for so long in S3 and then having a bit of a stop start time between being, being over in Singapore and leaving and your wife getting pregnant and going back and then back and back again, you must've been thinking, okay, I need to need to really choose my employer right this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I wanted to, uh, you know, like you said, after a bit of a stop start and an experience of a couple of different companies, um, you know, you 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 form a better picture of of, of what what's actually going to work for you personally. Um, and I think uh, EBC is, is has been that right mix for me. Uh, I, I had a a, a good uh, friend working there as well, Nick Pelling. Um, who you know actually introduced me to the business, and so I got a really good inside perspective on what I was getting myself into. Um, and uh, you know, it's a it's a business that's that's on a a, a real growth trajectory. Um, you know, which is um, you know not everybody is at the moment in Singapore. You know, there's a few firms that are having a you know some tough times, um, but uh, you know, EBC has, has been the opposite. You know, it's been nothing but positive news and growth since um since i came on board and, and, and i think also there's there's i mean we we were set up in 2012 so we've, we're still very new um so there's there's that sense that there's still a lot to to achieve and that there's there's a lot of things that you know i can i can affect and implement and you know bring things to the table which i've seen elsewhere where you know if you go to a more established business you can't necessarily do that um, and also with um, you know the 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 acquisition which was which was coming up, which is now complete. Um, you know we're now part of you know a much bigger organisation called the Will Group. Um, so I was aware that not only was that you know drive to build something there, but there was there was going to be the financial backing to do it as well. So it uh, it, it ticked a lot of boxes for me basically. Yeah, and. So that's interesting that you that you're a part of the the, the acquisition. Um, what did that mean as a director? Was there anything that you had to keep an eye on in terms of like when you were work, working up when your your owner is is it Andrew? Is that his name? Uh, no. So it's um, so An- Andrew Keys is the MD of of the Australian business. Okay. Um, and Matt Beath um, is is the MD here in in, in Singapore. Okay. So so with Matt. Was uh, was there anything when you're when you're working up towards a sale? Was he saying, okay, like we need to get extra headcount on, or we need to work on profitability? What were those conversations like in the lead up to being acquired? Yeah, well, there's two parts to the acquisition. It was initial investment, um, and then eighteen months later, it became like the completion of it. Um, so obviously, there was various. Um, uh, you know, milestones to achieve along the way. So it was very much, you know, it was. It, 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 I came in through that 
you know, in the middle of that, if you know what I mean. And, uh, mm. I, and it, you know, I came into like a, a really buzzing place, you know, all pulling together, trying to achieve, you know, a common goal. Um, so it was all just about, you know, growing, building, defining, you know, the, the structure and who we are and, you know, what the message is and what it's going to be moving forward. Um, so, yeah, just, just a lot of just driving forward, really. It must have been exciting to come in and be part of that from being from like S3 where I appreciate you might have had a part that you're really a number of one of the, like, a, I don't know, what are they, a billion, a billion dollar company. <laughs> Yeah. So, like to to coming in and 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 seeing that okay, we just have to get to this point. Here's all the stuff we have to do. Must have been a great buzz. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and you know, you start getting exposed to things that you you know you don't get exposed to in a big company, and you know it's it's uh, yeah, it, it it was a good time. It's, it still is. You know, I'm acting like it's somewhere in in, in the past, but you know. It, it's it's still it's still going strong now and the growth is still there and you know the appetite's huge if uh if you had a time machine or let me uh let me give you a different question if you were that guy you were at s3 right now and you were thinking of making the move to singapore what uh what advice would you give yourself i'd give myself more options to be honest um, uh, you know, I was uh, extremely loyal to to S three um, to the point where I didn't even consider the thought of speaking to any other companies to see what other options I might have. Um, making the move, you know, it was just a no brainer for me. It was well, you know, I'm S three and I'll move with S three. But I think till you die. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I'd probably give myself a few more options. Um, you know, at least to just get a feel of my worth in the market, and and but also other ways of doing things. Um, you know, because uh, there's, there's there's a lot of different methods out there. There's a lot of different approaches. There's, you know, it, it, the landscape's very diverse. So I think I'd give myself more options. And given you you're giving yourself more options, and you make a choice when you go in there and you start. What advice would you have for somebody who's come from the UK or the Australian market to be successful in Singapore? And what type of pitfalls have you seen from from uh, from people who've moved across? Because expat culture, in my experience of, of recruiting for it and for being out there, some people who, who go on a bit of a holiday, some people who go in a bit too gung-ho, there's some people who adapt and some people who don't. What 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 lessons can I learn could you offer up? I think you've got to be, you know, cultural sensitivity is, is the number one thing that, you know, you need to learn. Um, you know, it's a very diverse place. Um, you know, my, my team, for example, I've got um, a Filipino, a Korean, a German, um, uh, a Singaporean, um We've got a poll, um, you know, <laughs> that's just on my desk. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you, you've got to be aware that not everybody is, is, comes from the same background as you and has got the same views as you and has, uh, you know, socialises in the same way as you do. Um, you know, you, you've got to, that's got, you, that's got to be in you from, from, from the minute you get here. 
um, to be successful. And you've got to you've got to listen and you've got to tailor yourself um, to suit different situations. Um, is 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 the biggest piece of advice I'd I'd, I'd give. Um, because you know, over here, it's not a one-size-fits-all type of market. Um, you know, one day, uh, you know, you could be dealing with a local guy. The next day, you're dealing with an American. Then you're dealing with an Australian. And you know, it's it's a very diverse market. Um, you have to roll with the punches, do you? Yeah, you've you've, you've got to. And um, I think you know, it's com- it, it's competitive here, but in a different way. Um, you know, when when you're in the UK, I think you know you you find that you're competing a lot more with um, with maybe a lot more quantity in the market. You know, there's a lot more competition out there, mm. uh, but it's not always the best competition. Now, I'm not saying the UK is full of bad recruits. That's not the case at all. Just full of a lot. There's a lot more, yeah. Um, but when you come over here, and you know, the, you can't get away with being a bad recruiter here. Um, you know, you get found out pretty pretty quickly, and the expectation um, level from your clients is, is 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 a lot higher. You know, if you if just breaking it down to a you know a sort of tactical sense, you know your 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 CV sent to interview ratios better be good here. You know, um, you can't just send out um, a load of stuff in the hope that you know you uh, some of it's going to stick. Um, you know, so you've got to, uh, it's competitive, but in a different way, you know, you've got to step your game up. You've got to be good. Yeah. It sounds like Australia to me. Oh, is it? Yeah. So I don't know the Australian market, to be honest, but. Um, yeah. Well, in Perth anyway, like very, very regional focused. You have to get out there. You have to meet people. You know, if, if you, if you misstep, everybody will know about it. Um, whereas America it's funny, Americans will tell you it's relationship-driven, but UK recruiters over there will tell you the opposite. Because so, mm. yeah. it's just such a big a big company, and a lot of the scalable businesses that you mentioned that have come from S3, they might be operating the whole country out of New York. So if you do get a good candidate, you probably are going to put them out to quite a few, you know? Yeah. But you, I can imagine that tactic wouldn't go down too well in Singapore. No, I think... Um... I mean, you know, we we're still working largely a con, you know competitive contingent landscape, um, but it's contingent in the sense that you're up against maybe one or two others. Um, you know, you're you're not competing in a, on on huge PSLs. At least we don't anyway. Um, but then, uh, but it's still candidate driven. In, in you know, technology is still pretty candidate driven. So. You know, as much as you've got your clients to serve, you've also, you know, it's within your interest to, you know, to give your candidates multiple options as well. So there is an element of that, um, but it's done in maybe a little bit more of a controlled way than you see in other other markets. Mm. Oh, what's the story with visas uh, out there? I, I, I get some conflicting information. Yeah, well, you know, I've sort of give up trying to understand <laughs> You know the MOM and 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 how decisions are made. You know, I think um, I hear a lot that e you know EPs are hard to get. Um, but in the same, you know, where I think in the last eighteen months I've seen one case where we couldn't get an EP for a for a certain candidate.
Um, but in the same sense, we do focus a lot on on, on local candidates and and. Um, well, you just you, know, you, you just mentioned a Korean a poll. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you talking about inter- sorry? I'm think I, I think you're talking about our, our actual business. Oh no. So internally, um, we've yeah we've got a uh, we've got a good mix. Um, but I think the the key is you know you 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 need to keep a, a good local um, yeah. core to your business. Um, you know, for many reasons. You know, you you not just visa reasons but you know I, I think you know you need to, for, for if we're looking at it from a purely visa perspective then you need to keep it a, a healthy sort of 70 percent local uh headcount i think is is the kind of unwritten rule um but and, and we i think we we do that i think we're around about that mark maybe if not a little bit more does that um, give you does that give you carte blanche to hire anybody from outside then or do they have to have a certain amount of experience and qualifications. Yeah, so I think it's you know experience is is a big thing. Uh, qualifications are a big thing. Although I don't have a degree, um, you know, and that was a bit of an issue when I first came over. I struggled with the visa, um, even though you had five years experience, right? Yeah, at the, at the time. Yeah, yeah, I struggled. Um, uh, you know, I think they look at salary as well i think they look at what you're getting paid they look at your job title they look at your responsibilities um uh, you know and, and and i think yeah it's that mix of experience and um and uh, you know education you know you, we, we we had a guy come over recently um uh from, from the uk and i think he's got about three or four years experience um, but he's got you know he's got a good educational background to to support that um, and you know we got his his visa pretty easily, so it, it, se- it seems like two to three years plus a degree seems to be the golden ticket for a lot of a lot of locations. Or yeah. five or five years without that's yeah, but yeah, five five years at least with, without a degree. Wow. Um, and I, I mean, I I got into recruitment at twenty six, so I've got a you know a bit of experience before recruitment, so you know, I can throw that into the visa application as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've never had too many problems to be honest. No, fair enough. Um, so that is, that's it for today, Craig. Um, thanks so much for coming on and giving us a bit of an insight into your, your life out there and, uh, and the opportunities that are, that are available. No problem. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. All right. Well, have a great day and we will talk again soon. You too. Catch you later, mate. Well, a massive thank you to Craig for coming on the podcast. Singapore sounds like a decent old spot. It's tough to get the visas for recruiters. Um, But... If you do have a few years on a degree, then it's a decent option if you can manage to get there. I think the tax rates around 10%. The percentage fees that you could be charging clients could be up to 30%. So I think that works out quite well on your take home if 
if you're comparing it to the UK or Australia where it might be 15 or 17 or even lower and you're paying, you know, 30 to 40 to 50% tax depending on where you sit and yeah, so there's just that bit more money to be made and yeah, good opportunities out there. I uh, I regret I never got to do a year or two working in Singapore, Hong Kong or Tokyo, but you can't go everywhere, hey? I suppose this is the best I can hope for at this stage. And hopefully next year, we will bring the podcast out there and do some live podcasts with some of our clients, including Craig. So hope you all enjoyed that. If you have any questions, hit me up. If you're enjoying the podcast, let me know if you want to come on. Like, just reach out. I'm recording most days now, sometimes even twice a day. And we're just trying to bring you as many stories and experiences from the recruitment industry as possible and it's been great crack so i hope you're all enjoying it as much as i am and we will be back with another fantastic guest either later today or tomorrow catch you later